All right. If you've been wondering if blogging is dead or if you should revive your blog, if you've been wondering if Pinterest is dead and you should revive your Pinterest, this is the episode for you. Anna is coming to us from Midwest Social Creative. She's telling us how to breathe life back into our blog, back into our Pinterest account, and why both of them are really worth our time. She'll also give us some tips around how to plan content for our blog and for Pinterest. And she'll talk about how all of that is connected to my favorite topic, your email list. Stay tuned. Anna has got some great advice for you in this episode all about blogging, Pinterest, and your email list. Okay, I am here with Anna, and Anna is going to tell us all about Pinterest, which we love to talk about. So you are in the right place. We could talk about Pinterest all day. But before we jump into talking about all the Pinterest goodness, I like to start every podcast interview with this question. Can you tell us a little bit about your business and your journey to get to your business? Yes, I would love to. So, um, hey guys, my name's Anna and I am the founder and CEO of Midwest Social Creative, which is now a creative, um, content creation and Pinterest strategy business. Um, It didn't start out that way, Um, but I can back up and kind of start with the beginning of the story, which is that I went to school, to college, to be a teacher, and I was a teacher for eight years. I taught fifth grade, and then my last year, which was last year, um, I taught sixth grade science, and that was a fun little adventure. Um, But in my last couple of years, I just really had been feeling like this tug of wanting to um, do something that was more, um, would allow more freedom in my life. Um, Having three kids, I I needed to be able to sort of like be more available to them without like this overhanging like feeling of like worry about having a sub and all of those things. You guys know what that feeling is like. And before leaving teaching back in March, I um, had started a blog um, back in 2017. So I'm going a little out of order here. But so I was a teacher. And then while I was still teaching, I started a blog. It was just a home decor blog. It was a kind of a passion project, something that I love to do. You know, being a mom of three, I needed to find something for myself. And I really fell in love with it. Um, It was just an amazing adventure. And then in March was when I just kind of decided that I was ready to go out and try something different other than teaching. So um, I have a really weird end of my teaching career story. So uh, the day before our last day of school for spring break, we were sent home kind of not really knowing what was going to happen. And then... Um, literally found out that next day we weren't going back to school. Um, and then while spring break was going on, we found out that we weren't going back indefinitely. And, um, that was, that was how it all kind of came to a close for me, which is so, so crazy to think about, but it kind of gave me a lot of clarity in, in the sense that I was like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to start my business. And at the time it was social media. I knew that I wanted to do something with kind of that marketing piece and I wanted to, you know, help entrepreneurs with social media because I learned a lot through growing my blog. And then I really just kind of discovered that that wasn't really what lit me on fire. It was, we were kind of headed in the right direction, but it wasn't really 
quite the thing. Um, and so um, Pinterest kept coming up for me. Like people were asking me to help them with Pinterest and people were asking me to do trainings on Pinterest. And the, the experience that I had with Pinterest was from growing my blog. And at this point in time, I actually was taking some time off from my blog because I was trying to work on growing my business. And, um, it kind of came to a point where I was just like, okay, like this is what I need to be doing. I need to be helping people with Pinterest because I really have this unique opportunity to share my own experiences with these people who are in this online business world, um, about the power of Pinterest. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where I, where I landed. Um, and then today I have gone kind of like one step further and now I'm so excited because I'm working on developing a program um, to help entrepreneurs launch and grow a blog. And that is a really exciting thing for me to think about um, from where I started. What a great story. And I know that will resonate with a lot of our audience members. I get the question a lot. I also love to blog and I'm somebody that's had a blog as far back as I can remember, I feel like I had one way back when I was maybe, is it possible that I had one in high school? And I feel like I just did it in my spare time and nobody, I don't, I hope no one saw it and I hope it doesn't still live on the web somewhere. It would be very embarrassing, but <laughs> I get the question all the time, you know, now that there's podcasting and there's video, is blogging dead? Like, should I still be blogging? So can you start by sharing uh, your feelings around the question, is blogging dead? Oh my goodness. No, it's not. It's not dead. Um, it is alive and well. And in fact, I think, um, you know, just the idea that people are kind of like blogging, blogging's dead, um, is all the more reason why you should be doing it. Um, the thing is, is that having a blog, people are kind of like scared of it. Like if they've never done it before, it's kind of like this intimidating, overwhelming thing. Um, and, it actually can do really powerful things for your business. And the first one being that it can give you a lot of street cred um, because anybody can set up a Facebook page for their business and anybody can set up a Facebook group for their business or an Instagram page. But, you know, it takes some commitment to really start and, and maintain a blog. Um, so I think that it alone can kind of give you that credibility. Um, but people are constantly searching on Google and on Pinterest for ideas and and everybody kind of has their different like learning modality. Um, you know, some people love to listen to podcasts and some people love to read blogs. Um, so it's just one of those things that people sort of maybe think that it's dead because it's been around for so long. It's kind of like the whole saying that like email is dead and it, that is absolutely not true either. Um, not dead. <laughs> right. No. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of benefit in it. Um, because it, the, the idea is that blog content sort of like has a shelf life of like forever. Um, yes. your social media content only gets you so far. Even podcast episodes. I mean, I know they live on for a while, but they're much more in the moment and you can feel really like listening to an old episode can feel not relevant, but with a blog post, it's not that way. Right. Exactly. I mean, I go to, I, when, you know, whenever I'm looking and doing the research on things and I pull up old blog posts, I'm like, well, I feel like this can still be pretty applicable, you know? Yeah. So I, I no, blogging is not dead. Um, it's a very powerful way to, uh, you know, convey what you know. And, you know, I teach how to repurpose blog content, um, to, 
create social media content so that you're not working, you know, twice as hard by coming up with all kinds of content for all your different social platforms. Oh, we love that. We love anything that can save us time. And um, I think that one important point when it comes to blogging is that, and I think you would agree with this. Tell me if you agree with this, but I think it's important to look at quality over quantity sometimes to make sure that what we are putting out on the blog, rather than just trying to pump out weekly content, like I would rather see people take the time to create something like really compelling and not just crank out the content. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. And so part of what I teach too is like this process of making sure that you're following, you know, this, all of the sort of like recommended steps for creating a really well um, written, high quality piece of content. I actually just recently did a poll on my Instagram and in my Facebook group on, um, what do you, what do you consider to be high quality content? And it has all kinds of different characteristics. And, um, you know, in order to produce a piece that is really worth, um, having, uh, there's a lot that goes into it and it really needs to provide a lot of high impact value, um, for your readers. And it starts with understanding what it is that they need. Um, and then it goes even, you know, into being able to determine like, more than just like what you think they need to know, but what they actually feel like they need to know. Um, and then, um, you know, writing a long enough piece of content that it's going to be worth someone's time to read it, or it's going to provide enough value that multiple people can go in and, and find the answers that they're looking for. Um, and then, of course, you have you have SEO to consider. And it's really those all of those pieces are, are are components of it that are really super important. So I'm totally with you. Um, quality over quantity. If you're just going to, you know, types a couple sentences out and say, okay, I published a blog post this week, then you might as well not even do it because there's just certain, certain um, criteria that you want to follow in order to really get what you should be getting out of a blog post, starting for sure with, with the SEO sort of factor. Yeah. And um, can you explain for anybody that hasn't heard of SEO, can you kind of talk about <laughs> that piece of it for a minute? I know we were we were planning to talk about Pinterest and we just totally went down the blog road, but I we've got to follow this up. Well, well, yeah, we'll get to the Pinterest thing. I feel like it's all really connected. This is like my, yeah. sort of my approach. Um, but SEO is, is, is short for, or is the acronym for search engine optimization. So when you go to Google, that's a search engine, right? And you type in a keyword or you type in a question that might have keywords in it to pull up content that you're hoping to, you know, help you solve your problem or whatever. Um, and so SEO is just the best practices that we consider um, when it when it comes to keywords. And this pertains to, to Pinterest as well. So I'll connect it to Pinterest um, because Pinterest is based off of uh, keywords. Pinterest is a search engine, um, but it's a visual search engine. Um, but users still use keywords to get those visuals to pull up. Um, and then from there, it's visually, that's kind of how they make their decision on what they're going to click on. Whereas on Google, Google, um, users search with keywords and then they use keywords to determine what it is, um, that they're going to click on. 
So it's important for us to consider keywords when we're creating blog posts, and it's important for us to consider keywords when we are creating pins inside Pinterest because both are search engines. So what are your best tips for creating titles and descriptions in Pinterest that also use keywords in a really smart way, but maybe a simple way to give us the simple way? Yeah, totally the simple way. So the the simplest way is once you've sort of created a piece of content, um, most likely you will have done some form of keyword research to create that content. Um, and then what you want to do is go over to Pinterest and do a little bit more keyword research. Um, so you want to type the keywords or sort of the topic ideas into the search bar um, in Pinterest. And what will happen is um, suggested searches will pop up. And that's like that little drop down menu that happens when you start to type things in. And that's going to give you some ideas for what other people are actually searching for. And this is a really great way to sort of hone in on what keywords you want to use in your pin titles and your pin descriptions. Um, And a lot of times you want to try to make sure that they overlap with what you used on your post if you're if you're coming from a blog post. Um, and most of the time they will, but sometimes users do search differently on Pinterest than they do on Google. Um, and so it's important to just kind of note that because you want to make sure that your content is discoverable using the way that the users on whatever platform are going to be searching for that. Um, so that drop-down menu is a really powerful tool. Now, Pinterest, I I hate that they got rid of this, but I understand why they did. They used to have something called guided search where you would search for a keyword and then these like little colored bubbles would pull up underneath um, the search results or above the search results, I guess. And it would be like all of these guided searches for you to kind of follow with other keywords that people are searching around the main keyword that you searched. And that has actually gone away because now they have a tool um, called the Pinterest Trends tool. And you can go into that tool and type in a keyword and see when is the most popular time for that keyword to be searched on Pinterest. And it tells you the volume of how many searches it's getting during any particular time throughout the year. So that has replaced that guided search. um, And it is a, a great tool as well to use um, to kind of determine what words you should be using at what particular times of the year. So that would be something you would want to consider if you are creating any kind of content around seasonal things. Um, It's important to think about when you're going to be creating that. Yeah, I think the Pinterest trends tool is really important for those in my audience because a lot of them are selling their digital products on Teachers Pay Teachers. And a lot of content is either seasonal or based on some kind of a theme that um, is trending during certain times of the school year. So with the trending, when they're, when you're looking at Pinterest trends, you can kind of look ahead in time and just have that timeline attached to the trends, which is really nice. Uh, so that, that's definitely helpful. What about those? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the really great thing too about it is, is once you create a piece of content like that, 
based around the trend, you'll end up seeing it sort of resurface again every year because those right. those pins live on. And so, um, you know, next year around the holidays, if you've created any kind of content around the holidays or around wintertime, then you're going to see those things resurface and continue to drive traffic to either your Teachers Pay Teachers or your website or whatever. Yes, totally. And I think it's interesting because when I think people are starting to look for holiday stuff is not when they're really, they're always looking mm-hmm. for it way earlier than I even think of it. So I have to check the trends or at least the target shelves to figure out when to start thinking about holiday content. Exactly. Check the target shelves. I love that. That's such a great <laughs> analogy. I mean, it's true though. You can get your uh, research from anywhere. Yeah, you even can. Target. <laughs> Um, I know that some of the listeners are probably, well, I think we have two schools of thought on Pinterest happening. Either people who are listening haven't even started their Pinterest account yet, or they've started and they've given up because recently um, we've gotten a little bit frustrated with the Pinterest algorithm and the lack of engagement, though very recently there's been some change. So can you tell us, like, do you think Pinterest is we're busy. Like, is it still worth our time? Yeah, I definitely think that it is. I think it just has to become a part of your workflow, um, whatever that looks like. So if you're producing blog content, then it becomes a part of your blog content workflow. Um, Or if you're creating new digital products, then it becomes a part of your digital product creation workflow. Um, And I think when you think about it like that, um, then it will end up not seeming like such a big, um, task. Um, so the algorithm changes are ultimately inevitable as frustrating as they can be. Um, I always try to tell people to just, you know, write it out. Um, because when Pinterest makes these changes, it does end up sort of like tweaking things. Um, but you, Pinterest is a a slow burn, um, in the sense that it takes time for your pins to marinate. And if you're pinning new content right now, while we know that fresh pins are being favored, it might just take some time for your pins to to marinate a little bit before you start seeing the results. So the biggest thing that I would recommend um, to listeners is to give it time. Um, stay consistent. Stay the course. Um, don't get discouraged. I would even I would even almost advise you to not really check your analytics, except for maybe once a month, and even then, just kind of take note. But don't um, you know? Don't make any like super rash decisions because when we make these knee jerk res- decisions based on our analytics, we freak out. You know, like something's going on, um, and it's hard not to do right. Uh, Pinterest doesn't love that doesn't love that. And so we have to kind of make small tweaks here and there to figure out what it is that's causing, you know, us to not see the results that we want. Um, but you really do have to give it time for, you know, your content to begin to sort of resonate. I think that's important what you said about being patient. I do this with my Facebook ads. I put a Facebook ad out and then I like stare at it. And I keep checking, keep checking, keep checking. And it's like watching water boil, first of all, because nothing happens right away. Like it needs time. Yeah. And, um, same with Pinterest. Like you said, if you, if you let it be for a while and you've got to, I like how you said, let it marinate. It has to have time to work and to get out to the right people. And then you can look back and make your changes and reflect. 
uh, from there. But I don't think it's worth giving up either. So I'm glad you said that. But admittedly, many of us did give up for a while because we got so <laughs> frustrated. So what do we do if we took a pause from Pinterest and we haven't like refreshed our profile in a while? We haven't looked at our boards in a while. We know that certain things have changed like in the way that we're creating content on Pinterest. And I think most of my listeners understand at this point what a fresh pin is. And they understand that we're content creators, not consumers. And so, well, I mean, I'm a content creator and consumer on Pinterest, but <laughs> when we go on there for our business, we're content creators and we have to, we have to think like content creators, but we may have not done that for a while. So how can we give our boards a refresh, give our profile a refresh and get back in the Pinterest game? Yeah. So, I mean, I would just tell you that going in and just kind of giving everything sort of a look over, look at your profile. Is your profile photo updated? Um, I always tell my clients and my students that your profile photo should match your profile photo on all your other um, platforms. Um, And then your bio should reflect, you know, whatever it is that you are, um, you know, what you're doing, who you're serving, how you're helping them. And then you can always put a link in your bio as well. Well, that will link to like your, you know, most up to date, like freebie um, that will then, you know, potentially guide people to uh, join your email list. And most of the time, if you've if you've been off of Pinterest for a bit and then now you're hopping back on, it, pro- it could potentially be a different freebie. So just giving that a quick little update. Um, and then I always tell people it's a good idea to go back through and look at your board descriptions because you might realize that the keywords that you were using um, didn't quite align or that um, maybe you didn't have a description at all because you were like just, you know, busy creating content and not really thinking about how to set up your boards um, correctly. So going in, making sure that you've got keywords and those keywords are consistent um, coming from your profile all the way down through your board descriptions. Um that is going to be a really big piece. And then cleaning up your board. So if there's things on your on your Pinterest account that are not relevant to what you do, then you can make any boards that you want to, to make secret. And what that does is it just puts them kind of behind the curtain, I guess you could say, um, in the sense that they will be viewable to you and you can read them and go to them and all of those things. Um, but people that are coming to your profile wouldn't be able to see them. So if you, you know, are a teacher's pay teacher's teacher, um, and you're pinning, um, I don't know, like exercises to do on your weekends or whatever, that's not really going to make sense. Um, so I would tell you to put those as secret. I definitely have a lot of secret boards with all of my birthday party plans and food recipes and all of that stuff because I still love consuming content on Pinterest. But I think that there's another question that we have about the time we're spending on Pinterest. Should we be pinning other people's content when it comes to like related content to our business? Do we bother doing that anymore or not? So really your your focus these days should be on creating fresh content. Um, however you would do that. So if it's creating a new, um, you know, product to put on your TPT store, or if it's coming up with a new blog post or a new landing page or whatever, um, creating those fresh, quote unquote, fresh pins is going to be more valuable to you than just massively like repinning a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't want anybody to get the idea that it's bad to repin um, someone else's content. That is not it at all. Obviously, we still need that like reciprocation sort of thing to like make 
the Pinterest flow continue to happen. And so I always tell people that if you see a pen that inspires you, that's relevant to your content, that you feel like is good quality content that could potentially help your audience, then pin it. Um, And to anybody who's just getting started on Pinterest, then pinning other people's content is going to be the way that you're going to build context within your um, within your Pinterest profile. And so in order to build up your boards, you're going to want to um, pin other people's content until you can get more content of your own on those boards. And so once you have more of your own content, then you sort of shift away from pinning other people's content and move into only pinning really your own content except for, you know, every once in a while. I love that. You can have a pin party to start things off and then kind of go into pinning your own content and a little bit of others. That makes sense. And I think it's like, just use the platform in a genuine way and you'll get the results. It's when we try to manufacture the results that I think Mm. we get ourselves into trouble. It's like, if we just use Pinterest the way it was intended, we'll be just fine. I get that. I get so many questions about like these finite details of like, well, how many pins should I pin? And, and how many, how many days should I space in between? And how many, yes. you know, boards? And it's like, it is that exact thing. It's like, use it the way that it was intended and you won't have any issues. It's when you start to manufacture them is it, the results is when you are going to start to have issues. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Okay, I have an age-old question to ask you, and I've gotten a lot of different opinions on it, but I want yours. Should we be pinning directly to our products? Let's say if they're a TPT seller, should they pin directly to their TPT products? Or should they pin to their blog post? Or should they be pinning to their lead magnet? Or all of the above? Um. D, all of the above. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would say that probably if you pin to your blog post, then your lead magnet is going to be somewhere embedded in that. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with also pinning your lead magnet because it gets people straight to the the thing that they're looking for, right? Um, And then your products, of course, can be pinned because that ultimately is a, a revenue generator for you. So all of those things are great. Plus all of those things are going to have different URLs and those are all going to be fresh pens. So when you pin all of them, you're, you're leveraging all your content that you can. That's the thing. Leverage all the content that you've already created. And like you said, recycle and repurpose things um, so that you're not constantly starting over. But you talk a lot about a content calendar. So before we end the episode, I have to know about this content planning thing. How can we, you know, since we're a lot of us doing this as a side hustle, how can we stay on top of content planning, whether it's on the blog, Pinterest, everything? Like, how do you fit it all in? Yeah. So I always, my favorite way to plan content is by starting with my blog. Um, because your blog is your home base. Um, it is your owned space of the internet. Um, your social platforms are your rented space. And so you want to invest in your owned space first and then repurpose that content out to your social platforms. So 
Um, the way that I teach this is with a specific strategy. Um, and I go through the process of determining what are your content pillars. Um, and those are just sort of like the overarching themes of your content. It can be anywhere from three to five sort of overarching ideas. And within those pillars are what I like to call topic clusters. And these are all ideas that sort of relate to the pillar, um, but branch off and get more finite as you continue to branch off um, the ideas. And what this does is it, it does a few things. It makes sure that your content sort of is aligned. And then it also, um, it also allows you to create more content from one idea. Um, and then what I do is I teach a batching process. And so that just means that I sit down and work on like, um, tasks as it pertains to my blog content in one sitting. So in one sitting, I might do all of my like keyword research for the next four blog posts. Let's say that's a month's worth. Um, and then in the next sitting, I'm going to sit down and do all of my titles. And then in the following sitting, I'm going to sit down and write all of my outlines. And then from there, I'm going to go in and, and fill that all in with all of my copy. And then of course, there's some, there's some housekeeping things and different like technical things to sort of wrap up with. But I find that when I batch the content, it gives me a way to streamline my process to where it doesn't take me as much time because I'm not having to shift my gears every single time I need to like switch to a different type of task, if that makes sense. Totally, totally makes sense. Thank you for that. And thank you for all of the tips from everything from blogging to Pinterest and more. I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you after this episode. So can you tell us the best way to do that? Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Midwest Social Creative. Um, and then I'm also on, over on Facebook, but I'm more active in my Facebook group, which is Pinterest Creatives Community. But if you find me um, on Instagram, there's a link to the community in my bio. Um, and so, yeah. Great. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. So everybody has a link. I really appreciate your time today and we look forward to connecting with you after the podcast episode. So thank you, Anna. Thank you. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a creative educator who is wanting to start their business online. Maybe you have started your business, but you can't gain any traction because as soon as you take one step forward, there are a million more things you're supposed to be doing like blogging or podcasting, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Maybe you've heard all the marketing podcasts, but there's so much conflicting information. You just want the roadmap to success. I know sometimes it feels like the big name marketing experts don't understand our lives as teachers. You might be worried you're going to spend all your time and money on creating your online business, or maybe you already have spent tons of time and money and no one is going to show up to buy the thing you have to offer. And you're worried about how you're going to stand out among the rest. If you don't want a degree in marketing, but you want to inspire other teachers and you want to stand out among the rest and create a voice and share your thoughts and ideas and bring in some money, but it all feels a little overwhelming. I have good news for you. You are exactly where you need to be. You have everything you need to share your passion and to make some serious cash in the process. I want to introduce my signature training for creative teachers like you 
Teacher Hustle University, and you can get your hands on my step-by-step guide to designing an online business with a strategic, purposeful marketing plan. The Teacher Hustle University framework is your chance to build that solid foundation in marketing for your online business, to make a difference in classrooms around the world, to generate a steady monthly income, and to put it all on autopilot so you can enjoy life's moments. I teach you all of the pieces of the framework for Teacher Hustle University inside my free masterclass, which you can find at alissamcdonald.com slash masterclass. 